thanks. Thank you, uh, Mix Quintet. That was good. And I uh, appreciate them singing, appreciate their faithfulness, appreciate you listening to them. And uh, uh, it helps us up here singing if you smile at us. Uh, that's, hard, that's hard to sing to you. Right, so smile. And I know you've heard that song a bunch of times. All right, And uh, when you don't have practice, you can't learn new songs. Uh, I think it was like maybe three-quarters of the end of this year, we got to get our groups back together. We started learning new stuff, and I think that lasted maybe a month. And then, boom, uh, right back down to singing stuff that you've heard before. And uh, But it's just like I hear a song on the radio that I've heard a thousand times. The truth's still there, amen? And uh, I turn it up and, you know, bong my head up and down, tap the steering wheel, whatever. So, you know, even though you've heard it, Help us out until uh, practices start back. We got new stuff. I mean, it's just sitting there, hot off the press. Uh, I, don't, I don't think we can do that anymore. Uh, hot off the uh, uh, iPad. Uh, I think we have to buy electronical stuff now, electronic stuff now, and uh, print it out and all that kind of stuff. So anyway, we got new stuff. Just when we get some practice time, we're going to get y'all some new stuff. So smile at us when we're singing. And uh, we're going to, as we sing. All right. But anyway, uh, you can go ahead and be turning to uh, Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, uh, I always enjoy preaching and uh, jump at the opportunity when Pastor, uh, when he said that the other day that he was going out of town, I was like, hmm, and uh, I was waiting, and sure enough, the phone, bzz, bzz, uh, can you preach Sunday night? Yes, sir, uh, I'll be glad to. Uh, anyway, so pray for them as they're out of town and, and, keep, and ask the Lord to keep them safe. And uh, I preached this sermon uh, in a couple of our chapels. We have chapels all over the place around here. Uh, we have some over here in the Annex. Uh, we got a couple chapels over at the school property, things like that. And so I preached this a couple times, and, and I didn't want to because of, because of that reason. Uh, but the Lord just kept saying, somebody needs it, somebody needs it. So uh, those of you that's going to hear this for the second time, uh, somebody else needs it, and you probably were sleeping. I know this group over here was sleeping. When, when, uh, uh, anyway, uh, so uh, it's about obviously running your race, and Pastor even said it this morning uh, in his sermon that, that uh, you know, run your race, and it was... Moses was coming to the end of his race in Sunday school and things like that. And, of course, being a sports fanatic like I am and was growing up, uh, I was in anything that had a ball or anything that I could do, running and jumping and all that stuff. And I think my mom just wanted me out of the house, uh, so she signed me up for everything. Uh, problem was she had to take me. Uh, I couldn't drive. Well, I, I could when I was four, uh, but uh, she, you know, not legally. Uh, but anyway, so, uh, so she... Uh, she took me to all the things, so I ran track when I was in high school and junior high school, things like that, and I remember, uh, I guess seventh grade, I was on the cross-country team, and uh, anybody run cross-country in here? All right, from the couch to the refrigerator and back, that's cross-country, right? Uh, but anyway, anyway, that's basically across the country, it's a long ways, and uh, there they, they were different links, things like that, and my cross-country coach, he would tell us, now look, when you get tired, you, and the thing was, don't stop, uh, you just keep running. Uh, and, and so forth, and you know, pace yourself. They always taught you that. You know, you take off 50-yard dash, and you're done. All right, everybody else is going across the country. Uh, you know, you beat them for that first 50 yards. Yeah, they went right on by. Anyway, so pace yourself, things like that. So, of course, Paul. Uh, you know, he wrote a lot of places in the Bible about sports and running and things like that. We're going to look at a few of them tonight. But uh, anyway, he told us to you know pace yourself. And a little trick he said: What I always do when I get tired. He's like, I just, I, I, I kind of close my eyes, and that's not real smart when you're running across country. Uh, it's not level. But anyway, he said, I kind of envision uh, going up a hill or running in the woods, and he says, you know, I've, I've, I've reached out and grabbed a tree before and helped me up the hill. 
And so he says, as I'm running, I'm just picturing that I'm grabbing a tree. And uh, so he, he said that helped him. So I tried it some, I don't know if it helped or not, but anyway, I envisioned that. Uh, and then I, I was on a, um, a, a track team where we, we, we did sprints. And, uh, you know, 50 yards, 100 yards. Uh, I think they've changed it to communist measurements now, and it's meters and stuff like that. But anyway, uh, we did yards when I was in when I was in high school, and so, but uh, you know, so my my track coach wanted me on there because I could run fast too, so I could run long distance and fast. I don't know what you call that, uh, but anyway, uh, I, I remember that track coach telling me, you know, you finish, you know, when you when you take off, you know, it's, you're bursting a speed, so you give it everything you got, not to the finish line but through the finish line. And, uh, and so he, you know, lean forward, all that kind of stuff. And I've seen them on TV. You know, they're leaning so hard, they push. And so my wife and I, we were out Christmas shopping not too long ago. And that's my favorite thing to do. Uh, amen. And so, but uh, we stopped by Chili's. And we had, somebody had given us a gift card to Chili's. So we were eating at Chili's. And we were sitting out front, you know, because you can't sit inside. You might give somebody COVID. Uh, so we put our name in, and we had to go outside where it was cold and sit. And so we're sitting there in a nice, quiet, you know, relaxing time. And all of a sudden, this family comes up. And they sit on They go in and put their name, come out. And so they had two little boys, one probably five years old, maybe, and another one about eight, nine. And so to keep them busy, they started telling them, okay, you go to the other end of the sidewalk, and uh, you run down here, and we'll time you. And so we're out there sitting there watching. And, you know, the little kid runs down there, and she's like, on your mark, you know. There went all the quietness and the peacefulness. Of, Get shot! Go! And I mean, here's this little five-year-old, he's running down. And he would stop, and, and, you know, right there. And they were trying to tell him, you know, no, you run past the crack. You know, I was like, you know, step on the crack, you break your mama's back. But anyway, uh, but anyway, you run past the crack. And so they were trying to teach him that. And so finally they said to the eight-year-old, you know, you go run with him. And the little five-year-old didn't want to, you know, do, don't do that because he didn't think he could win. Uh, anyway, so the eight-year-old let him win. And so, oh, buddy, he was excited, things like that. But that made the eight-year-old mad. <laughs> I wasn't really running. You know, I, know, I know this don't ever happen to any, any siblings in here. I wasn't really running. Yeah, you are. No, what? Let's go again. So, they went, and so then the eight-year-old beat him, and the little five-year-old falls on the ground. <laughs> He's crying you know, that he got beat. Uh, but anyway, the, the dad was trying to teach the little boy to, you know, put his head down and, you know, cross the finish line. And so he tried it, and I mean, I mean, he just bounced all the way down, and he started crying on that. So anyway, then I think our, we got the little, I was like, hallelujah. So we went in eight. But anyway, you, you, you push through, and we're, we're right here at the end of 2020. And uh, pastor always tells us, finish strong. And then he's going to tell us next week, start strong and stay strong and finish strong. So he, he wants us going and going and going. So obviously the Bible has a lot to say about that. And so we're going to look at that tonight because uh, you can, uh, as, as the title of my sermon will indicate, you can run in the wrong direction. Uh, now there's some people, you know, you say, is there a right way to run and a wrong way to run? I've seen some of you run. And that's probably not the way to run. Uh, you know, pigeon-toed people. I won't ask for any show of hands, but that, that's difficult. You kind of have to flip it out there, you know. And then funnier than that, you know, I, th I think they call it duck feet people, where they go out this way. And, you call that running? I, I thought that was a seizure. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I'm not talking about that, all right? I'm talking about direction tonight, not, not how, but uh, which way are you going? So uh, which way are you running? Let's have a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity we have to serve you. And Lord, I just ask you to fill me your Holy Spirit, Lord. 
show up, Lord, and, and preach through me tonight. Speak to hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. So in Hebrews 12, 1, uh, we see as far as introduction goes, uh, we are all in the Bible commanded or there's at least an indication that we're supposed to run our race. Uh, and so it's a daily, I believe it would be a long cross-country race instead of a sprint. Uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people come to church, they get on fire, they get involved in everything, and, and they're right back out. Uh, and so, but then if you've been here for a long, long time, generation, or not generations, but decades, uh, and, you know, that's, that's the long term, and you're still running your race. Uh, why? Because the finish line is when we see Jesus. And we see here in Hebrews 12, verse 1, very familiar, uh, a place where it indicates that we're supposed to run. Wherefore, seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us talking about all of us, uh, lay aside every weight and that sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience. Uh, that would disqualify a lot of us. Uh, but run with patience the race that is set before you. So in 2020, we had a race to run. Now next year, uh, we can kind of call them maybe heats. Uh, I've ran races before where there were multiple people wanting to win the 50-yard dash. And so there were so many, they would put six or eight of us on there. That, that six or eight, top three would be, you know, still alive. Next eight, top three would be still alive. And then you run that last heat. Uh, ha that happened to me one time when I was a senior in high school. Uh, I ran my heat, and I won my heat. Uh, and then my coach, another thing, told you, don't you look back. All right? Uh, but, I mean, so I wouldn't look back, but I could listen. And if I didn't hear any feet or if I didn't hear any huffing and puffing, I knew I was in front, all right? Uh, and so if you look back and you're running fast, you can fall. But anyway, uh, I ran my heat, went to the table. I saw them write my name down, had to check in. They said, okay, we're going to run the, the final heat at, and they, they set a time. And so I was sitting there, and, and uh, our girls' volleyball team was going to play at a gym across town. And they said, hey, you want to go watch us play? Girls, watch. I was, I was interested. Uh, but anyway, uh, I, I said, well, let me go find out. And I said, okay, well, we're going to run that last heat. What time? This time. Okay. I said, what time are y'all playing? This time. Okay. Well, I can be back. Plenty of time. So I went and watched the girls play volleyball and came back, and there was nobody there. Looking around. And so I finally asked the guy, oh, yeah, they cleaned up and left while I go. Uh, I was like, they said they were running the last heat, and it wasn't, you know, it was 20 minutes still. I thought I was in plenty of time. Oh, no, they, they said that they'd go ahead and finish it and, you know, so at the award ceremony that night, uh, I watched the guy go up and get the uh, thing on his head, uh, and, uh, and he was in my heat, and I beat him by five feet, and that was difficult. <laughs> All right? Uh, they, they cheated me out of that, and I'm not bitter. That happened when I was a teenager, so, I mean, you know, anyway. Uh, but you run your race. You get, you, you know, you run in your lane and, and all that kind of stuff. And unless, uh, you don't have to turn there. I'll read them to you. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 says this, Know ye not. That they which run in a race, they run all. Uh, if you're not running, you're not winning. I guarantee you that. Uh, but if you're in, if you're in that heat, if you're in that uh, uh, on that track, you're going to run your race. And it says here, and they, but one receiveth the prize. And so one one person's going to win. Uh, and the Bible has a question mark there. Obviously, know you not? Yeah, I know that. And then it says here, so run that you may obtain. Now, of course, the Bible teaches that when we get to heaven, not just one person. One Christian, the greatest Christian ever, is going to get a reward. The Bible says we all are going to get a reward. All right? So I believe they, they, they're okay with participation trophies in heaven. Uh, and so anyway, uh, I don't know if you know what, I don't like those. But anyway, uh, we're, we're going to be able to get a reward when we get to heaven. Uh, Philippians 2.16 says this, Holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ when I see him again. 
And then he comes back. It says here that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. So three places here in the Bible indicates that we're supposed to run. And we're supposed to run with all our might. Uh, and we're supposed to try to win. And then we see here that we can run in vain. Uh, I'd hate to get to heaven one day and stand before God and not be able to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant, not be rewarded anything. Uh, so we're supposed to run. Then, number two, as far as introduction goes, uh, where should we run? Where should we run? Uh, now, obviously, on that uh, cross country, we were supposed to, it was indicated. They had ribbons and they had markings and arrows and signs and all that kind of stuff. So it was indicated where we ran. Uh, on the track, where we run uh, speed races, there was a, a lane. Uh, you know, kind of a familiar saying here lately. I guess it's maybe come and gone now. Stay in your lane, bro. All right. You may have had to tell somebody that that was trying to help you with your job. Right? I got it. Stay in your lane, bro. Uh, yeah, I, I, I know what I'm doing. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that's what you're supposed to do. And if you got out of your lane, disqualification. Uh, and so uh, where, where should we run? Bible, again, has lots to say about that. Mark 10, 17. Mark 10, 17 says this, And when he was gone forth into the way, there came one running and kneeled to him and asked him, Good master, what shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? So this person ran to Jesus. Uh, I believe the Bible would be uh, indicate that we're supposed to run to Jesus. If you're having a problem, if there's a decision you're going to have to make, if there's a situation that you're facing, uh, you should run to Jesus. Uh, several of us, probably even including myself, I don't remember it, uh, but when we were younger and we got scared, what would we do? We would run, probably to mommy, because right, daddy was probably at work, uh, but we would run to our parents. Uh, and then maybe if you had an older brother and you had a smart mouth, uh, you would run your mouth, but then you would run to your brother. Uh, I was the older brother. I had lots of siblings standing behind me. Don't let him hurt me. Well, what'd you say to him? Well, <laughs> uh, you run. Uh, so if you need something, you run. So, of course, in the Bible we see here, this, this person wanted to be saved, wanted to have eternal life. So what did he do? He ran to Christ. There was some in the Bible that couldn't run, but they yelled out. They knew Christ was the answer. Uh, second thing here, Mark 5, 6, it says here, when we saw, and when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshiped him. So uh, in 2021... Uh, you ought to run to Jesus. Here's an example, Luke 19.4. Zacchaeus ran ahead of the crowd and climbed up a sycamore tree. Why? Because he wanted to see Jesus. So we have indications in the Bible that people ran to Christ. Second place, we should run to the Bible. Psalm 119.32, I will run the way of thy commandments when thou shalt enlarge my heart. Uh, we ought to run to the Bible. If we have a decision to make, if we're having a crossroads in our life, if we're wanting to do something to honor and glorify God, we ought to run to the Bible. Uh, we have illustrations of that. Uh, Joshua and David both, the Bible says that they meditated day and night. So they ran to the Bible. Uh, uh, again, I've went through different stages of my life in my Bible reading time. I remember when I first heard about devotions. I first heard about it was the bread of life. I first heard that we ought to seek him early, things like that. I tried it. And, uh, you know, if I had that type of diet, I would be really, really skinny because I would remember to do it, and then I would forget for a week. And I'd remember to do it for two days, and I'd forget for a month. And I'd remember to do it for a day and a half, maybe three days, and I'd forget again. Uh, I wasn't running to the Bible very much. Uh, but, buddy, praise the Lord. Uh, I got to have it. 
Uh, when these eyes pop open, my first thought is, thank you, Lord, for another day. Why? Because he kept me alive. He kept my heart beating. Uh, you know, he gave me good rest. But I got to get to the Bible. I got to have it. Why? Because I know it pleases him, but I know it helps me. Uh, you know, I, I had went on a kind of a, a, a diet right before Thanksgiving and uh, with intentions to not being on that diet during Thanksgiving, went back on it for a little while, and then with intentions not being on it for Christmas. Uh, some of you, I mean, there's some, oh, I got to have y'all's goodies. Uh, you know, uh, one of my favorite is Miss Triplett's uh, Chex Mix. Oh, and, uh, and I hide it <laughs> so other, other people can't find it. Uh, and I finished it up last night, because why? Because tomorrow I want to go back on that diet. And so all that stuff's got to be gone. And the Buckeyes went with it. <laughs> and uh, then, uh, you know, I had some stuff from the Kaiken dolls. I mean, pretzels with a Rolo and an M&M's. Man, you can't go wrong. I mean, it was good stuff. So I finished that thing off this afternoon. Things like that. I'm trying to get it out. Uh, why? Because, uh, you know, I, I got to have it. Uh, and so I love the Bible. We ought to run to the Bible. And Joshua and David both ran to the Bible, meditated there and day and night. Third place we should run in the Bible. We should run to the man of God. If there's a decision to make, you're going through a situation that you don't know how to handle, uh, if there's something that you would like to do, uh, the Bible says we can run to the man of God. 2 Kings 4, 22, second part, B. This is here. Uh, obviously, this lady says that I may run to the man of God and come again. And her son died, uh, and Elisha raised him up. And so, of course, if you read that whole context, you read the story, she was asking uh, for somebody to help her. Uh, why? Because she knew that Elisha was coming through the town, and she needed to get over there. And, of course, she did. She ran to the man of God, and the man of God came. Uh, and through the power of God, the man of God raised her son up. Uh, and uh, and pastor has told you that before. Uh, again, he has no special powers uh, other than what God gives him. Uh, but I know he prays. I know he studies this book. And uh, since he is our pastor, I believe God gives him a little bit of insight, uh, a little bit of knowledge that, we're supposed to have, and he preaches it to us all the time, uh, but we ought to go to him also. Uh, here's another example in the Bible. Uh, in 1 Samuel 3, 5, it says here, Samuel ran to Eli, the man of God. Uh, you know the story. Samuel's laying in his bed, and he hears his name, Samuel, Samuel. He jumped up, ran to the man of God. Uh, yes, sir. Eli said, what are you doing in here? Uh, you called me. No, I didn't. Uh, yes, you did. I heard you. No, go get back in the bed. Sure enough, same thing. Two or three times, and finally, uh, Eli said, I know what it is. It's God. Tell him, thy servant heareth. Uh, go back to bed. And so uh, we ought to run to the man of God. That's what he'll do. The fourth place we ought to run to is we ought to run to his service. Uh, uh, again, if you want an answer, I guarantee I think God would give somebody an answer that's serving him, not running from him. Uh, the Bible talks about how that he doesn't hear us unsaved person's prayer. And the Bible also says that he doesn't hear uh, if we regard iniquity in our heart, if we're living in sin, he doesn't hear that prayer. Uh, so it's hard uh, to, to run to God unless we're praying and right with God and serving him. Uh, a couple places, Galatians 5, 7 says this. Uh, I'm sorry. <clears throat> Isaiah 40, verse 31, it says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. We see here, uh, this person wasn't sitting on his backside waiting on God. Okay, God, tell me what to do, and then I'll do it. No. He was waiting on him like a waiter would wait on him. He was serving him. Uh, and God said, that's how you get strength. Uh, I believe God will answer you if you'll, if you'll serve. And here's another one that ran to his service. In Acts, verses, uh, Acts 8, verse 30, 
It says here, Philip ran thither to him and heard him read from the prophet Isaiah and said, and, and said understand thou what thou readest. Uh, so he ran. Obviously, we know Philip was a soul winner. Uh, I've seen some of you running on soul winning before. Uh, you know, back in the day when Dr. Hatch used to come, for those of you that's been here a long, long time, we had a week of evangelism. Uh, we ran more that week than we probably ran all year long. Uh, ran, ran, ran. Uh, Brother Nyhart, he always teased me about climbing fences, and I was faster than him. Uh, and he would jump out the back of the bus, and I would park him against a tree so he couldn't get out the back of the bus, and I would go out the front door. Uh, we ran after souls. Uh, and that's what this guy was doing. He was running. Uh, so we see, first of all, uh, where should we run, and then how should we run, or where should we run? And then lastly, in the introduction, it says here, how not to run. The Bible tells us several places, and we'll look at a couple of them, how not to run. First one is found in Galatians 5, 7. It says here, ye did run well. Who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? And so, of course, you can be hindered uh, in running. Uh, if you've ever run hurdles before, you don't need to be hindered. Uh, you can be hurt if you're hindered. Uh, you need to be focused when you're running uh, hurdles. Uh, now, obviously, the devil's going to throw some hurdles in your life. So you can be hindered in your run. Uh, next, it says here, without being greedy. Jude 1, verse 11 says this, Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam. So we can, we can run greedily. I got to have it. I got to have it. Uh, we ought not be running our race for ourselves. We ought to be running it for Christ. Uh, and we, we ought not be greedy. Uh, and then also we ought to run without being evil. Proverbs 1.16, for their feet run to evil, and they make haste sh to shed blood. So there's a lot of people that run to evil. They plan it. Uh, they, 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 they do their best to do evil. Uh, and then last one, without being mischievous. This is a difficult one for some. Proverbs 6.18, and heart that divides wicked imaginations and feet that be swift in running to mischief. And if you read that rest of that chapter, that's where those seven things that God hates, or six things that God hates, and seven are abomination. One of them is feet that's running into mischief. Uh, and that's why, uh, obviously, God gave us parents to correct us uh, in that mischievousness. Now, I think there's a balance uh, of, of good mischievousness and bad mischievousness. Uh, and so, uh, again, I, I believe God will, he hates the bad, I think he might even snicker at the good. Well, not. He created us. He gave us those twisted minds, those of us that are mischievous uh, and, and doing things like that. Uh, anyway, but so the problem's not running. Uh, the problem's not even being swift. Uh, the problem is the, is the mischievous. And so anyway, we see here in the introduction where we should run, how we should run, and where not to run. Now, that brings me to my illustration. And uh, when I preached this to the uh, kids and the teenagers, things like that, I asked them if they'd heard of this person, and uh, none of them had heard of this person. And uh, I won't ask if some of you have heard of it, because that would just indicate one thing. Because this guy played football uh, for the California Bears, uh, Golden Bears, back in 1929. All right, And so I won't ask any of show of hands. But anyway, uh, he was playing for the California Bears, Golden Bears, in 1929. Was the best player on the team. And you remember my title, all right? Which direction are you running? Because you can run in the wrong direction. This, name, this guy's name was Roy. His last name was Regals. Uh, in 1929, he was uh, in the Rose Bowl, and it was still in Pasadena. 
Uh, it's not going to be this year for the first time, I guess, ever. Uh, but anyway, he, it was in the, uh, Pasadena uh, and uh, in the Rose Bowl, and he was playing on the California Golden Bears. Did you play against him? And uh, uh, anyway, <laughs> so anyway, he was, he, was, he was the center. Now, he was the center on offense and defense. Uh, obviously, you know, I had to do a little bit of digging on that. I knew what a center on the offense was. It's the guy that hikes the ball. Uh, but the center on the defense back in 1929, middle linebacker hadn't been invented yet. Uh, and so he was playing in the middle of the field, the middle linebacker. And uh, so he was the best player on the team. He hiked and blocked well for the offense, and he creamed people for the defense. And so uh, he was in that game, and his, this was the, the national championship. Back then and you know, even a couple years ago, they used to rotate the Rose Bowl and a couple other bowls for the national championship. So he was playing in the national championship against the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets. And uh, I probably would have been cheering for the Bears uh, that day. But anyway, <clears throat> uh, but anyway uh, he was playing for there. And uh, uh, he was obviously on defense at the time. And, of course, the middle linebacker, that's his job. I've played that position before. You watch where that ball goes. Uh, you don't fall for the fakes and go tackle a guy that doesn't have the ball. You watch that ball. Uh, and wherever that ball goes, you go put your head on it. Uh, and so if it was the quarterback that kept it, hit him. Uh, you know, nowadays I don't think you can. Uh, especially with your helmet. Uh, but anyway, uh, you go hit that ball. The linebacker, if the running back gets it, you go hit him. And so he was watching. And so by the time he got over there, there was a few of his other teammates that already hit the guy a couple times, and the guy fumbled the ball. And so he went into the uh, crowd, and that's what you were taught in football. If those of you that ever played the balls on the ground, you get on the ball. Uh, now there's a, there's a fine line of that getting on the ball and picking up the ball. If you pick it up and run touchdown, your coach is going to love you. Yeah, you did the right thing. If you try to pick it up and drop it, and another team gets it back. What were you thinking? All right, but you know, so you got to you got to determine all that. Do I have time? Is there enough space? Uh, things like that. So apparently, he had enough time. He picked up the ball, and so but he's in this crowd, and there, there's actually video evidence of this. I don't know how they did that back in 1929. Now it isn't black and white, uh, but you can Google it and you can see. Him. And so he gets kind of discombobulated in this, in this circle. He's bouncing off these guys. Uh, boom, boom, boom. And so I guess he sees an opening in this hole, and out he comes. I mean, he pops out, and, I mean, there's nobody between him and the goal line. And, of course, if you've ever played football and that ever happened to you, you're excited, uh, and you're running with all your might. And so that's what he's doing. He's focused on the goal. He's running. I mean, wide open, got that ball tight. He's he's running with everything he's got. But apparently, he's running in the wrong direction. Okay? So, but he's focused, and he's running hard. He's giving it all he's got. And everybody, it takes everybody a couple seconds to realize what's going on. But they're like, oh, that's the wrong end zone. But Roy Wrongway Regals is what his name was, his nickname, uh, did not realize that. So he takes off running. And so the fans realize it. And so the fans, you know, that's, that's where it really counts, right? We tell the refs what to do. We tell the players what to do. We call, oh, I knew that was, that's how, mm -hmm, I knew what play they were going to call. This is what they should have called. Uh, we, we know, us fans, we could, we could coach it, play it, all that stuff from our couch. Uh, but anyway, uh, they, they start screaming. The ones there in the stand, I mean, they had a full capacity. It wasn't COVID back then. Uh, the, the whole stand was packed out, standing room only. And so they start screaming, you know, Roy! I don't know if they called him by name, but they started screaming, you're running the wrong way! But was he listening? Mm -mm. If you've ever played before, that's one thing you do. You block out the fans. 
unless you have a mom as loud as mine. Okay, I could block everybody else out but her. I mean, I could hear her over it. But anyway, you blocked out the fan, so he's blocked. He's running with everything he's got, and they're screaming, Roy, you're running the wrong way, hence his nickname. Now, I don't know if his parents were at the game or listening on the radio, all right, but somehow, some way, before he got down to the end zone, they, the parents found out that he's running the wrong way. And so they're screaming, Roy, you're running the wrong way, all right, whether it was at the radio or if they were sitting in the stands. Most likely, they were probably sitting in the stands, and they're screaming, you're running the wrong way. And then there's this guy over there with a clipboard, all right? Uh, the one that what he says matters when you're on the field, okay? He starts, I'm sure he's running down the sideline with him. Roy! Breaking clipboards, throwing water bottles, whatever he could do. You're running the wrong way! But he couldn't come on the field, and Roy's running with everything he's got. Uh, then, I've said it already, they didn't have TV back then on TV, but they had the games... Uh, I guess, on the radio, the radio announcer starts going, you won't believe this. The guy's running the wrong way. All right. You know how some good announcers, you know, uh, you know, they, they can, you know, they'll tell you he's running from east to west or he's running this. And, and so I don't know how good this guy was or not, but he let everybody know that was listening that he was running the wrong way. Uh, and then his teammates on the sideline, I'm sure they're helping the coach out. Roy, you're running the wrong way. And they're, they're, they're doing all this stuff like that. And then there was 10 other players on the field with him. And one of them finally figured out, I can do something about this. Okay, he was just as fast or maybe faster because I guess he had to catch him. But he took off. And he's screaming, Roy, you're running the wrong way. As he comes up to him, boom, tackles the dude on the one-yard line. Kept him from scoring for the other team. Now, whew, save the day, right? The next play, sack in the end zone, boom, safety, two points. They lost eight to seven. Roy, wrong way, Regals lived with that the rest of his life. I mean, that was what he was known for. Now, you do something that dumb, <laughs> right? I mean, I've, I've heard of people taking their own life when they did something like that. I know a soccer player did that, scored for the wrong team, took his own life. Hey, that, sports is not that important. But, I mean, you got to live with that. Now, obviously, I read the whole story. He did. He, he owned it. Uh, I think there was actually a guy that actually scored for somebody in a college game one day. He wrote him a letter, welcome to the club. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. <laughs> All right, still called me wrong way, Roy, today. You know, and, and, he, and he became a successful businessman and, and made it. But he was running the wrong way. And obviously, I preached this sermon to the kids uh, and to the high schoolers for you parents, because uh, one day they might be running the wrong, wrong way, and I want them to listen to you, okay? So if mommy says, hey, don't date that girl, listen, you might be running the wrong way. If they say, hey, don't have that attitude, you better listen to him. You might be running the wrong way. And so I narrowed it down to three things that I've seen uh, for the years that I've been here that... Uh, Young people running their race, whether it be kids, teenagers, college students, young adults, even adults. If they were running the wrong way, uh, the devil can use lots of things to get you out of your lane. The, the devil can use lots of hurdles to trip you up, keep you from finishing the race and hurt you. Uh, he can do a lot of stuff. But here's the three main ones that I've seen. And I, and I wanted the kids to listen 
when whoever was screaming, you're running the wrong way. Number one, pursuing the wrong person. Pursuing the wrong person. We've got examples of this in the Bible. First one I'll mention is Samson. You read Samson, he had a girl problem. He was girl crazy. Uh, and, and so, uh, that's, I mean, that's what he looked at all the time. That's what he was pursuing all the time. And he pursued the wrong person. His parents even tried to talk him out of it. Son, you know, she's, she's not saved. She's not our kind. She's not a good Christian girl. This, I don't care. And he kept running. And, I mean, that's why we have the story in the Bible of Samson and Delilah. And, uh, obviously, he got his eyes poked out and died uh, grinding uh, grits, probably, at the, at the grindstone. Uh, but there's also people that, you know, obviously, he was pursuing the wrong person. He wasn't married yet. But there ha- there's examples in the Bible of married people pursuing the wrong person. And you've got to be careful with that. David, he was married. And he started pursuing Bathsheba, somebody else's person. Uh, and I believe the Bible says we ought not covet our neighbor's wife. Uh, so you can pursue the wrong person. And so if somebody comes up to you and says, hey, you're running the wrong way. You're pursuing the wrong person. Listen to them. Uh, because it's supposed to be for life. Right? It's not a tryout. It's not a test drive. I had Igmo tell me that one time. I would buy a car without test driving at first. You ever kissed her? Mm-mm. <laughs> hey. Well, I don't know, man. You're test drive. Mm-mm. That's not in the Bible. Hey, you're running the wrong way. Second one, pursuing the wrong possessions. I've seen people lose their focus in their race for Christ. A, but a possession. Now, none of these possessions are wrong instead, unless we put them in front of God. We take God off the throne and put ourselves up there. So we can possess the throne? That's wrong. Uh, if we forget serving God so we can buy and, and, and whatever it is, uh, Lot was that way. What did he do? He set his tent up so he could see Sodom. The grass was greener on the other side. Uh, I've seen young people come to our Bible college focused on running their race and all of a sudden money and possessions. i got, I got to get me a new gaming system. Uh, I got. I got to get me a you know an iPhone seventy four, all right. Uh, you know because this you know this piece of junk you know it. No, and, and I mean they, they don't pay their school bill and they go get them a new toy. Wrong possessions, and I mean that, obviously that can go to us as adults too. Uh, you know we got a couple nice cars now, but we raised our kids. All right, <laughs> it, that's why we can have a nice car now. Uh, I remember driving a Ford Tempo, a stick shift Ford Tempo, when our second one was born. Why? Because that cool little Toyota four-wheel drive I had wouldn't hold car seats. It was a bench seat, and we already had three. We didn't want to strap Brian in the back. So went, there went the cool little Toyota four-wheel drive for the redneck, and I got me a, a grandma car. A Ford Tempo. Anybody know what a Ford Tempo is? I mean, they they grandma-ish. Big time. I mean, then the paint was faded. The bumper was like, you know, he was like sad. <laughs> Hanging down. Hey, it got me back and forth to work, and I fed my kids. All right? So you don't, you don't sell out for possessions. Third, pursuing the wrong position. Pursuing the wrong position. Uh, we see Judas. Had a great position. 
He was one of the 12. And what did he do? He sold it out for 30 pieces of silver. Started pursuing the wrong position. Did you hear how much they're going to pay me? Man, I could retire in, you know, five years. Wrong position. If it takes you out of God's will, it's the wrong position. I mean, I've seen some of our kids, and I use this illustration when I preached it to the, to the high schoolers. Uh, and we've got some sharp kids that grew up here. They're smart. They're intelligent. They're hard workers. They got character. And when they show up at these, some of these places of employment, they're like, where'd you come from? All right, and they come visit the church. Oh, I don't want that. They want our kids, but they don't want that. And so, but then they throw everything at them when they're, when they're like, you know, I'm fixing to go to the mission field, or I'm going to go start a church. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait. <laughs> how, about, how about if we make you the CEO, or how about if we make you the, you know, the, the, the you know, whatever those the positions are, uh, the general manager, or, you know, whoa, triple digits, or six-digit figures on your paychecks. Well, what about that? I'm going to the mission field. I'm going to go start a church. Right? Uh, and so, obviously, you can pursue the wrong position. Now, that's what I preached uh, to all of them. I got some little extra for everybody else. All right, so how to keep this from happening? How to keep them and the little ones that sit beside you and even these college students for pursuing the wrong person and the wrong possessions and the wrong position? Let's go to Luke 2. We've all read it the last couple days. Luke 2. Luke 2. And I'll finish this up in my last eight minutes, all right? Luke 2, verses 49 through 52. This tells us how to keep our young people from pursuing the wrong person and pursuing the wrong position or possessions in the wrong position. Uh, verse 49 says this, And he said to them, How is it that thou sought me? Wist thou not that I must be about my father's business? If you know the story, obviously they would have went to the, uh, to the Passover and they were coming back and Jesus stayed and he was in the uh, temple teaching elderly men. Uh, and they were dumbfounded at this young man teaching them and the wisdom he had, things like that. So obviously, I know you've never done this, all right, but the parents went ahead on and, uh, you know, come back that night, got the kid from the church uh, or Walmart or wherever you, <laughs> anyway. Uh, but anyway, they, they, they went back to Luke where it says here, and they, and they understood not his sayings, which he spake to them. But he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. So this is why you got to start. When they're little. And if you enjoy spanking, there's something warped up here. But the Bible tells you you got to. Why? Because you got to get them where they'll submit to you. Oh, that's no big deal. No, it is a big deal. God allowed that to happen so you'd have that training time and that teaching time. It says here, and he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. So they got him to, to submit and he submitted. Obviously, he was sinless. Uh, we didn't. We didn't raise any of those sinless ones. So it was work to get them to submit. But you start when they're little. Because if you wait till they're teenagers and try to start getting them to submit to you, too late. They're gonna pursue who they want to. They're gonna pursue what they want, and where they want it. But if you'll make a big deal about it when they're little, and get them to submit to you, and keep making a big deal about it. And keep making a big deal about it. And make sure that they're subject to you. Then it says here in Jesus, verse 52, And Jesus increased in wisdom, stature, 
in favor with God and man. And so those of us that have had kids and, or have kids, uh, it's our job to do all that right there. Uh, education, wisdom. It's the parent's responsibility. Now, praise God, we have teachers that help. Okay, math teachers that know math more than you do. You still have to take off your shoes to get to 20. All right, and, you know, taking away, you know. Anyway, uh, you know, it's our job. Parents' job is to make the kid educated. But praise the Lord for teachers. Uh, physical stature. You got to teach them to work. You got to teach them to work. And, of course, you know, praise the Lord for other people that will hire them sometimes. And you hear how great they did. Man, my, my, my garage has never been as clean. My yard never looks as good. And you're like, my garage still looks horrible. And I told them to clean it last week. Uh, my grass, goodness. Uh, anyway, they always work better for other people. So praise the Lord for a great church that we have, people we can pawn them off on and let them learn how to work. Uh, but then also sports. Hey, put that ball up, you're aggravating me. And then you want them to score 25 points and they can't even dribble. Or they can't get it over the net. You got to put up with that. Get you some earplugs. Turn the radio up louder or the TV. Uh, or... Go out there with them. Uh, I mean, there, there was sometimes supper wasn't until we all hit 10 shots. We weren't eating supper. All right? And, and if they'd ever hurry up and hit their 10, I was, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, anyway, we weren't eating. You, you got to help them. You got to develop them. This is here in favor with God. You got to help them be spiritual. Uh, you know, ask them about their devotions. Hey, I, I remember, you know, obviously I just prayed and asked God. When they were little, we had family devotions all the time. Every night unless we got home too late, all right? Because uh, they would all be like, and I'd be trying to read the Bible. Hey, wake up. But anyway, uh, you know, then when they became teenagers, I wanted them to do it on their own. Because Daddy wasn't going to come with, after they were married and do family devotions anymore. You're going to have to learn how to do it yourself. So check. Uh, check their spirituality. Make sure they're paying attention to church. Watch over there. Look. All right. If you even got a college student that's still sitting in here, All right. All right. so anyway, uh, help them with their favorite guy, and then favorite man, social skills. Uh, you know, that's why we have activities, and preacher said it for years, pastor says it now, and I'll say it as the youth director, don't let them pick and choose. Send them to all of them, even if it sounds as lame as the day is long. Okay. They need it. They need it. If they don't ever come to the youth activities or the college activities or the singles activities, you know, they're not going to develop socially. They might get a high score, but they're never going to get a wife. All right? They may make a lot of money, but they're never going to get a husband. Hey, it's our responsibility. That's what they did with Jesus. Uh, Proverbs 22.6, train up a child when he should go. When he's old, he will not depart from it. It's our job to train them. Get in your lane and run. And if you don't run, uh, my dad would tell me all, this all the time, this size nine and a half is going to be in a very uncomfortable position for you. Hey, run. Train them up. Deuteronomy 6, 7. And they shall teach them diligently to the, unto thy children. And your kids already know this, or my did, mine did. You talk about it when you sit us down in your house. In other words, you ought to have a phone box. No amens? Okay. Now, when you sit down at your house, turn the stupid TV off sometimes. Put the phones up, you know, even at the supper table. 
and no talking going on. How are you teaching diligently? Anyway, <clears throat> it says, when I sit down at the house, uh, and when you walk us by the way, I guess we, we could change that in our Bible today. None of us walk too to, to many places. We might could put walk, drive us. Uh, you drive, by the way, talk, point out stuff, teach. I know, Dad, I know. I put up with that to get what they turned out to be. I don't care if I drove them crazy. I don't, oh, Dad, I got to hear it again. Mm-hmm. Teach them diligently. Dad, we've heard this a hundred times. Shut up, you're going to hear it 101. It's my responsibility. When you leave this house, you're going to know how you're supposed to run your race. It's right there. When thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That rises up part was my favorite. Because I'm a morning person. <laughs> they weren't. Oh, my goodness. I woke them up in so many different ways. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Lights on and off. Dad! <laughs> I come in there. <laughs> Ryan! It's round to rig up. I would do the Scooby. Dad, you're not even good at it. And I'd start doing, okay, I'd, you know, some of the kids could do all this, and I'd start doing all my jokes. Anybody know any of them? It's, time, it's you know, good to have you bow back from the bow, Army. Bow, Chester. <laughs> you got to put your best foot forward, and I'd yank him out of the bed. Yeah. Oh, we, we talked about you know, not being sleepyheads all the time. So teach them when you rise us up. So we see here, obviously that was to the parents. And you say, well, I've raised mine. Here's, all that could, I guess, be to these people. Ultimately, the responsibility is to the parents. But they're still grandparents. I have my two cents worth, and I try not to give it. But it's here. Remember that. They raised you. And there's probably some stuff that went on that you don't remember because you was too young. What would you do? I let your mom change the diapers. That's what I did. <laughs> so, so grandparents are there. Obviously, we saw you can run to your pastor. Run to your pastor. Uh, my kid is doing this. What, what should we do? Here's some verses. Don't just let it happen. It's your responsibility to help them grow in wisdom, stature, favor with God and with man. Uh, pastor is responsible. He's going to give an account for everybody that's a member of this church. Even the, the young ones. Youth director is responsible. Sunday school teachers are responsible. School teachers are responsible. Coaches are responsible. And any other person that's a member of this church is responsible for these young ones that are around here. Because the Bible says the elderly should teach the younger. Uh, the gray heads, all that kind of stuff. So we all ought to do our part to help people not pursue their own person, not pursue their own position, and not pursue their own possessions. How, you, how is your race finished? 2020, we fix the finish, but we got another heat. 